0: Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. We've been sharing uh, about the grace of God, teaching on the grace life, and really talking about how grace changes our life. Of course, you know my story, and uh, I got born again when I was eight, baptized in the Holy Spirit, and called to preach when I was 14, Begin to get a revelation at that time of really who I was in Christ, but it wasn't until I was actually 30 years old, and I'd been pastoring for six years, that I got a revelation of grace. And when I got a revelation of grace, it really changed my life. Praise God. Changed how I deal with people, changed how I do things. And so, praise God, it just, grace will change your life, amen, if you'll let it. Some people don't let it. (laughs) Some people are kind of stubborn, but God doesn't want you to be stubborn amen? And if you'll let the grace of God, if you'll let Jesus change your life, we said Jesus is the embodiment of grace. And We talked about grace produces, you know, peace and freedom. We talked about all kinds of different aspects of freedom, free from sin, free to do the will of God, freedom from fear, past, present, future, Fe- freedom from fear of man, freedom from the fear of performance or lack thereof, and then we talked about grace leads us into God's abundance. It releases the abundance of God. Today, we're going to talk about how grace releases the promises of God. And uh, there's so many things, and they're all by grace. In fact, the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith. You know, the two messages that really just are paramount in the New Testament are the message of grace... And the message of faith. And grace essentially is what God did for us in the person of Jesus when he died and rose again. And grace makes everything that God has for us available, right? Grace makes it a possibility, but faith makes it a reality. And you know, it says in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 2, we have access by grace, uh, by faith into grace wherein we stand. We stand in grace, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory, the manifested presence, power, and purpose of God. Amen? So thank God we have access by faith. And so God made all these good things available. We'll talk about some of them today. Amen? By grace, but it takes faith to make it a reality in your life. So if you want to see it, you got to believe it. Praise God. So we're going to begin today, Galatians chapter 3, right here in verse 1 through verse 5. He says, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? You act like you're under a spell, that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus has been evidently set forth and crucified among you. I have a question for you How did you get saved? How did you receive the Spirit? By the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? All right, is it what Jesus did or what you did? It's what Jesus did, right? And you believed it. That's how you got saved, in other words. I got saved when I heard the gospel. And you can interchange the words gospel and grace. And I believed it. Praise God. And so he says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made... Perfect by the flesh. They begin to say, you have to add something to Jesus, right? You have to add keeping the law, circumcision specifically. But we said, I mean, it can be circumcision. The problem with adding circumcision, then you've got to begin to add the rest of the requirements of the law. And and nobody's ever kept God's law except for Jesus. And so he, he says, Have you suffered so many things in vain? Right? Because when you preach the grace of God, religious people get upset about it. He says, if it's still in vain. He, therefore, that ministers. I have another question for you. He that ministers to the Spirit and works miracles among you. Does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Somebody said the hearing of faith because here's what happens. You come to church, right? We preach the grace of God. We preach you're saved by grace through faith. Jesus accepts you just like you are. But then after you come to church, we say, now if you're going to do this, right? You need to read your Bible, right? You need to pray. You need to give. You need to do all these things. And and then you've got to be kind to your neighbor. And then you can't do all these things. I I, I joke about saying the only thing that you can do in a Pentecostal church and not sin is eat. (laughs) I mean, every, you know, some of these legalistic people, I mean, they're, everything is a sin. (laughs) And, and so, you know, he, he, he says, no, Jesus saved you, and Jesus keeps you. Amen. Jesus is the one who saves you, and Jesus is the one who works miracles in your ministry. Everything from the beginning of your Christian life here on the earth to the end of it is really by Grace. It's all by grace, grace, by grace, through faith. You've got to believe it to receive it. Now, in verse 6 through verse 9, he really begins to say grace is the foundation. He says, he who ministers to you, the, oh, verse 6, even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, Know, therefore, that they who are of the faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel to Abraham, saying, In you shall all nations of the earth be blessed. So then those who are of the faith are blessed with faithful or with believing Abraham. Abraham. So as you begin to look at that, he says, grace is the foundation. He says, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed to him for righteousness. Righteousness, we receive righteousness by faith. And then once you receive righteousness by faith, right standing with God, it really becomes a foundation in your life to receive all the promises of God. So righteousness comes by faith. He says... Know you therefore that those who are of the faith the same are the children of Abraham. You're God's covenant children by faith. He says the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preach the gospel unto Abraham before, it, saying in you shall all nations be blessed. Now, what he's saying is righteousness comes by faith, being a child of Abraham, coming into the covenant, comes by faith. Justification, being just as if you never sinned, comes by faith. And, and he goes on and says, blessing comes by faith. I like something that one of my good friends says. He says, there's only two kinds of believers. Those who are blessed and know it, and those who are blessed and don't know it. Praise God. Amen. If you're saved, you're blessed. If you're born again, you're blessed. And he goes on, not only talking about this, so he he says, you know, grace is really the foundation. And when you understand the grace of God, the natural response to understanding grace is faith. Now, in verse 10 through verse 14, he says, we are free from the curse of the law and we are in other words, grace frees us from the curse and releases the blessings of God in our life. Yeah. He, he says in verse 10, For as many as of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who continues not in all the things written in the book of the law to do them. In, a, in, the other, in other words, the, the only way that you can, that you can really move into the good things of God Right, it is, and, and move out of the curse. Right, it is by believing. It's not by performance. The problem with keeping the law is you got to keep it all, and nobody uh, has ever kept the whole law, God's law yet, the, the Mosaic law, except for Jesus. He says, "But that no man is justified by the law on the side of God. It's evident for the just shall live by faith. Faith isn't a movement. Faith is a lifestyle, and we live." By faith. And he says the law is not of faith. The man who does them shall live in them. In fact, the Bible actually says this. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So if you're trying to be justified before God by your own performance, that leads into sin. You know what happens? You get caught up in pride. And the Bible says pride comes before destruction and a hot Spirit before a fall. And it's a huge problem. So he says, the law is not a faith. And he says, Christ has redeemed us, has purchased us, has bought us out from the curse of the law. The curse of the law was real. One aspect of the curse of the law was this. You couldn't keep it. So God said, if you'll do all these things, then you'll be blessed. And Israel said, that's a good deal. But they couldn't do it. So what they thought would be a blessing became a curse. But Christ purchased us out of that law system, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. When Jesus hung on the cross, Jesus took the curse of sin. He took the curse of sickness. He took the curse of anxiety. He took the curse of poverty. Jesus became a curse for us. That's why God's not putting sickness on you. You know why God's not putting sickness on you as a believer? Because he put it on Jesus. And Jesus took it for you so God would be wrong to Jesus to put sickness on you. Hallelujah. God is not the author of sickness. God's not putting sickness on you any more than he's putting sin on you because Jesus took your sin and took your sickness at the same time. God's not the author of poverty. Amen, when God created heaven and earth, made everything in it, he created this beautiful garden and put Adam in this beautiful place where this ultimate provision, amen, God is not the author of poverty. In fact, there's a lot of preachers preaching a lot of fear about the end times, telling you all these things are going to, you know what, they've caught up with the the green people. (laughs) The Green New Deal people and telling you, you know, everything, you know, the, this, you know, the, we're burning off the ozone later and melting down the ice caps and the seas. But the problem is the sea hasn't risen in the last 200 or 300 years, whatever it is. They're, n- they're just not telling you the truth. Because the, B- the Bible says, everybody say, The Bible says. Ice. Genesis eight twenty two says, As long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, shall not cease. So as long as the earth is here, there's going to be provision on the earth for the people of the earth. That's how God made it. That's how God set it up. Amen? So don't believe all those Green New Deal lies, okay? And so he says... Jesus died on the cross. Jesus took the curse. He took the curse of sin, of sickness, of anxiety, of poverty. He became a curse for you. God put your sin and your sickness on Jesus. He was wounded for your transgressions, and by his stripes you were healed. That is not hard to understand. The problem is too many people just don't read the Bible. We need to get back to believing what it says. He, see, he did this so that the blessing of Abraham might come on Gentiles through Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So he redeemed us from the curse so the blessing can come on us. And he tells us what that blessing is that you might receive the promise of the spirit. The greatest aspect of the promises of God is that when you are born again, when you believe on Jesus, the spirit of Christ comes and lives on the inside of you. So you are not a sin sinner trying to get righteous. You're not a sick person trying to get healed. You're not a crazy person trying to get peace. You're not a poor person trying to get wealth right you are a righteous person the devil may be trying to keep you in sin but you are the righteousness of God if you read the same Bible I do in second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 the devil may be trying to get you over in sin but you are the righteousness of God you are the healed of the Lord you are healed by the stripes of Jesus You have a covenant that includes healing. The devil may be trying to get you in sickness or keep you in sickness, but you are the healed of the Lord. You're not some crazy person trying to get a sound mind. You have a sound mind. You have the mind of Christ. The devil may be trying to make you crazy. Sin will make you crazy, right? But you got a sound mind. You got the mind of Christ. Amen. You're not some poor person trying to get wealth. You're the blessed of the Lord. You're blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Praise God. If you begin to understand the covenant, it changes the way that you think. And when you change the way you think, if you're already born again in the Spirit, guess what? That stuff will begin to work in your life. In fact, I was driving out here today and I was singing, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. I'm so blessed, I'm so blessed. Now, I probably sang that song about 10 times. Barbara's probably like, I wish she would sing something else. <laughs> Praise God. But if you get a blessed mentality, it, you know what? It works. It'll work. If you get a blessed mentality, if you're born again, you're blessed. And you renew your mind. Now, there's some other practical application things that you can do from the Word. But number one, you got to get it down. This is who you are. This is who. The devil may be trying to keep you in poverty, but listen, you're not going to stay. You are blessed by the Most High God, the possessor of heaven and earth. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So I'm a blessed person. Amen. Blessings coming to me. Increases are coming to me. Abundance is coming to me. Hallelujah. I've had some people act like if I leave, the church is going to go broke. No. Listen, the church ain't going broke. We were doing fine before you came, and we'll be. And I don't want people to leave. But I'm not putting my trust in people. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. I'm going to keep putting my faith in Jesus. I'm going to keep believing Jesus. I'm going to keep trusting Jesus. It's worked really well so far, and I'm going to keep doing it. Amen. And you know God is no respecter of persons. If he'll take care of me, if he'll take care of my family, if he'll take care of this church, he'll take care of you. Amen. Because he'll be God to you just like he's God to me. Hallelujah. So anyway, grace releases the blessing of, I mean, it it frees us from the curse and releases the blessing of God. He goes on in verse 15 through verse 19 and says that through grace, we receive our divine inheritance. He says, brother, and I speak after the manner of men, though it be but a man's covenant. Yet, if it be confirmed, no man can disenow or add to it. In other words, once the covenant's confirmed, once the covenant is ratified, it's done. You cannot change it. So he says this. Now, to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. Who is the seed of Abraham that he's talking about? Jesus. Jesus. He says, not to seeds as a many, but as one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So God made this covenant with the seed of Abraham, who is Jesus. And when you believe on Jesus, right, you, you come into Christ. Right? And since you are in Christ, the Bible actually says this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. All the promises of God in him are yes and amen. So when God sent Jesus, God said yes. Amen? God made it available. When you believe it, you say amen. So you can receive it if you believe it. But the promises ultimately are with Jesus. And when you believe Jesus, you come into Christ. So the promises are yours. You're in Christ. The reason you get all the stuff, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, is because you're God's kid. You're in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. And so he says, it's not to many, but it's to one. It's to Jesus. And Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirement of God's law. And so when you come into Christ, you're a candidate for the blessing." You believe it, and then you can start moving into it. He says, and this I say that the covenant was confirmed before of God in Christ. The law, which was 430 years after. the law, Moses' law came 430 years after God made this promise to Abraham. It cannot disannul that it make the promise of no effect. In other words, God gave his word, and God's word is good. In fact, a lot of people just don't understand God and his word. Because they think God's like some of the people that they know, that they say one thing one day and do another thing the next. But you see, God, he's the, uh, God he, he, when his word goes out of his mouth, his word goes into eternity and it bears forth fruit and it never, ever changes. We have the unchangeable word of an unchangeable God. And so God's word, man, it, it's good. He never changes. He says, for if the inheritance be, and I love this word, inheritance. Everybody say Inheritance. Amen. If it's of the law, if it's because of performance, it's no more promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Okay, so we receive an inheritance in Christ. In fact, 1 Peter chapter 1 says that it's incorruptible and undefiled in it. It might be 2 Peter chapter 1. It is reserved in heaven for you. Amen. I'm excited about my eternal inheritance. How many of you in this room have ever received an inheritance? Receive your raise your hand. Okay, I received one. Did you work for it? No. Did you sweat for it? No. Did you save for it? No. Did you invest for it? No. What'd you do? You just received it. You just showed up, believed it, and received it. Amen. Amen. Holly, you didn't do anything to do it right? You didn't work for it, sweat for it, toil for it, save for it, invest. All you did is believed it and received it. God has an inheritance for you in Christ. And all you got to do is show up and believe it so you can receive it. That's what, what it's talking about. If your inheritance is of the law, it's no more a promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What, what is the purpose then of the law? It was added because of the transgressions. Till the seed would come, Jesus, to whom the promise was made. God had to bring the law. One reason was it said it was added because of sin. If if sin would have kept on going like it was, if God wouldn't have brought the law, there may not have been a virgin left to bring the Messiah through. So God, the law will curb sin, but the law will not cure sin. It was added because of transgressions. That's what legalistic people, what happens then. The law will curb sin for a while, but it will not cure it. And it'll, get, it'll creep back up. But Jesus cured it. Hallelujah. He says... What was the purpose of the law? It was added because of the transgression until the seed Jesus should come to whom the promise was made. The promise was made to Jesus and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Moses was the mediator in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4 through about verse 6 says, There's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sin. Hallelujah. I'm going to be glad that Jesus is the mediator. Now, so, so he says, grace releases our divine inheritance. And I like that word, inheritance. Because we understand we don't work for it. We don't save for it. We don't. All we do is just believe it and receive it. Now, he says this in verse 20 to verse 25, that grace gives us life and not the law. Now, a mediator is not a mediator one, but God is one. Is the law against the promises of God? God forbid. Did God send the law to stop the promises? No, that wasn't the purpose. Again, it shows us the purpose of the law, right? One reason was to curb sin till Jesus came. For if there had been a law which could have given life righteousness should have been by the law. The problem was the law could not give us life or make us righteous. Amen? But Jesus gave us life. Grace gave us life. But the scripture has concluded under all sin that the promise by the faith of Jesus Christ might be given to all them who believe. The promise is given to who? To all who believe. Hallelujah. Carla says, me. Glory to God. Thank God for the promise. It's good for Carl. It's good for you. Amen. Anybody who believes it, when you believe it, you come into Christ. God made the the deal with Jesus. Praise God. When you believe, you come into Jesus. So you're a benefactor of the deal because of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's good news, isn't it? Hallelujah. Something he did, now you benefit from it. So he says... But before faith came, we were kept under the law, showed up to the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. The law showed us our need for God. The law showed us our need for righteousness. The law showed us our need for Jesus. But the law could never give us life, never give us those things. It could just show, it's like when I go to the mirror, I can go to the mirror in the morning and see that I need to shave, but if I try to pull that, mirror off the wall and shave myself what's going to happen I'm going to have one bloody mess (laughs) hallelujah and that's what happens when you go to the law and try to use the law to make you righteous legalism will not produce righteousness legalism produces death and not life Just like Paul. See, See, in, in Romans 5, verse 17, Aaron did a great job preaching on that last week when he preached on the abundance of grace. But it says we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness by faith in Jesus, right? That we might reign in life through one Jesus Christ. And so when we do that, we go from the reign of sin and death to the reign of grace and righteousness by faith in Jesus, now, he says the way that we live since we came in, since we left the reign of sin and death, since we came into the reign of grace, is, number one, we live dead to sin. Romans 6 says you're dead to sin. But Romans 7 says you're dead to, dead to the law. And Romans 8 says you have life in the Spirit. Because just like sin will kill you, the wages of sin is death. And Paul says, there's four reasons not to stay in sin. You're dead to it. You're free from it. You have authority over it, and it'll kill you. That's Romans 6. Okay? But Romans 7 says, just like sin will kill you, legalism will kill you. A performance mentality will not produce life. It will kill you in the end, so you got to get delivered from it. Hallelujah. And so he says, listen, grace gave us life and righteousness and not the law. And he says, before faith we were kept under the law, shut up to the faith which should be revealed and the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. I like to say this. I like to say I'm I've graduated from law school to live the good life. <laughs> Amen. Everybody say, I graduated from law school to live the good life. In other words, I'm not going to go back and trust my performance. I'm not going to tout my performance. In fact, I was teaching in Bible school this week, and one of the students asked me, they said, Pastor Lawson, is it hard for you not to go back and trust in yourself? I said, oh, no, that, that ain't hard for me. I know it ain't me, baby. I may not like somebody else's performance, but it ain't hard for me not to trust in my performance because I know my performance is not good enough. (laughs) Hallelujah. You know what? If I don't remind myself, Barbara will remind me. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'm kidding her. If I'm bad, she'll get up here and preach to you. So I'm supposed to be good. She's given me a lot of grace today. She did tell me this morning that my grace had run out. I said, well, you're not like God. Because his grace, his grace never runs out. I'm glad the grace of God. I mean, there was grace before the foundation of the world. There was grace for you. That's what 2 Timothy chapter 1 says. And then there's grace when you got saved. And then there's grace for you to grow. And then there's grace Jesus gave himself for us and he raised us up and made us sit in heavenly places with him that in the ages to come. This is Ephesians 2.7. He might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. So I'm glad that the grace of Jesus has not run out. I'm glad he gives more grace. Hallelujah. He's better than some of you. Some of you run out of grace, but Jesus has not run out of grace. Hallelujah. Amen. So the grace was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under that schoolmaster. Listen, my daughter-in-law, Kendra, graduated from Duke University Law School with honors, and she's not going back to kindergarten. She graduated from law school, and she's living a good life. Hallelujah. And God wants you to graduate from law school. Sometimes some churches are like law school. And they're trying to curb sin. And they're trying to get you straightened out. But we want you to graduate from that legalistic thinking and way of being. And we want you to move into the grace life. Because we know when grace life takes over. When grace takes over in your life. You're going to do so much better than you ever did before. And we know if you really get a revelation of grace. It's going to transform your life. I know it transformed mine, so I know it'll transform yours. Listen, I know it's not me. I know it's him. Hallelujah. So grace does all these things, right? Grace, praise God, releases all the promises of God. Grace is a foundation. Grace frees us from the curse of the law and releases the blessing. Grace brings us into our divine inheritance and grace, not law, gives us life and makes us righteous. Finally, you know what grace does? Grace makes you God's child. You're God's child by grace. And you know why you get all this stuff? You get all this stuff because you're his kid. Hallelujah. You know what? We just had a party at our house yesterday. And we celebrated five birthdays in our family. One for my son Andrew, my daughter-in-law Bree. But we celebrated three of our grandchildren's birthday. And I really like to use the grandchildren. Because they, I mean, they're really an example of grace because you know what? You just, the parents say, don't get them anymore. They have too much. I'm, I'm like, Barbara, ask them what they want. Because <laughs> we'll get them what they want. We'll give them other stuff too. Hallelujah. But ask, ask the grandkids. They'll tell you, hallelujah, <laughs> what they want. <laughs> so I'm like, ask the grandbabies. They'll tell you what they want. We'll get what the grandbabies want. Hallelujah. One of the people in our family said, "We, our family's getting so big, we just need to get one present for her. I said, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Because I like, see, I used to be a legalistic person. I used to not like Christmas. But then I got a revelation of grace. And I love Christmas. And listen, Barbara starts shopping for Christmas in July. <laughs> Hallelujah. She said, because I used to go shopping like the day before Christmas for Barbara. I let her buy all the rest of the presents. But now I get to go with her. I'm like, nah, you don't want that. Get this. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So we asked Gavin, our grandson, we asked, what do you want for Christmas? He says, I want a RC. We said, what's a RC? It's a remote control car. I said, Okay. So we got him this R.C. Polaris four x four, four, side by side. He opens before he could, even, you know, Barbara wrapped it all up in a box, you know, big box, put a bow on it. And so he, he began tearing it apart. He said, oh, it's an R.C. <laughs> before he could even see what it was. It's an R.C. He was excited. And then he goes, oh, it's really nice. I really like it. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. One of their grandkids said, we didn't get anything like that. Barbara said, we sent the same amount of money on you. (laughs) Hallelujah, amen. (laughs) Barbara's always equal. Hallelujah. Glory to God. She's like Jesus. He gives it all to you. He's good to everybody. Amen. Everybody, amen. No complaints. He's good. He's good. So he says this in, in verse 26. He says, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. We're God's kid. We're, we're grace kids. Everybody say grace kids. grace kids. You're all the children of God by faith. When did you get there? When you believe Jesus, right? Grace made it a possibility. Faith made it a reality. We're God's kids and we get all the stuff because we're God's kids. For as many as you have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek. It's not about religion or race. Hallelujah. In fact, when we're talking about Christianity, we're not talking about religion. We're talking about life. Hallelujah. It's not about race. It's not about being a Jew or a Gentile. There's neither bond or free. It's not about how much money you have or how much money you don't have. Praise God. It doesn't matter whether you're the wealthiest person in the world or the poorest person. Jesus died for us all. It's not about bond or free. It's not about what class you are. It's not about what race you are. It's not about male nor female. It's not about what gender you are. Hallelujah. There's neither male nor female in the spirit. People that think a woman can't preach, you you haven't read the Bible. There was a prophet in in the Old Testament named Deborah, and she took over a man's job. Hallelujah. Paul said in Romans chapter 16, Andronicus and Junia are of note among the apostles. Now, if a woman could be an apostle, she could be anything. As far as ministry offices. You see, they, they are gifts of Jesus. They're actually grace gifts of Jesus through the church. Hallelujah. Amen. People get so hung up on stuff. A woman can't be in the ministry. You just eliminated over half of the body of Christ. What's wrong with you? You're just crazy. That's the problem. Lots of crazy people. Religion is crazy. Hallelujah. Anyway, he says, there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have anything at all. And he says, if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So you get all the stuff because you're God's kid. What do you get? Well, he says you're... Your heirs, if you be Christ, your Abraham, seed and heirs according to the promise. You get the covenant promises. So we're just going to talk about a few of the covenant promises that you get as God's kids. Is that Okay. So he talked about Abraham. So let's look at one that God made to Abraham in Genesis 22 when he offered up Isaac. And Jesus talked about this day in John chapter 8 when he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw and was glad. Genesis chapter 22 verse 17. Abraham at this time is, is about 114 to 120 years old. And it says... You know, he, he brings Isaac, he lays him on this altar, he's, he's following the directions of God, and it says, the angel of the Lord, I actually believe this is a pre-incarnate form of Jesus, but you can believe whatever you want to believe, in verse 15, called to Abraham out of heaven the second time. And this is what he said in verse 17. He said, in blessing, I will bless you. In blessing, I'm going to bless you. I'm glad that Jesus is the one who blesses us. Because some people are kind of schizophrenic. They'll bless you one moment, do something else the next. He says, In multiplying, I will multiply your seed. Blessing comes from him, multiplication comes from him. I like that word multiply, but say multiply. He said, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and the sand which is on the seashore, and your seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Your seed shall possess. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to multiply you. I'm going to give you authority. Your seed's going to possess. You're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You're blessed and you're not cursed. I'm going to bless you, multiply, give you authority. God wants you to operate in authority. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus. Let's look at another promise, Psalm 103. Let's look at Psalm 103, verse 1 through 5 says something like this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits. Yes. their benefits through believing. He says in verse 3, who forgives all of your iniquities. Yes. Forgiveness is a covenant promise. How many of you are glad that he forgives all of your iniquity? Who heals all of your diseases. How many of you are glad that Jesus heals all of our diseases? He he forgives all of our sins. He heals all of our diseases. Who redeems. That word in the Hebrew is in the present active state. He is presently actively redeeming our life from destruction. He is protecting us. He is delivering us. He is freeing us. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. His favor is on you. Everybody say, the favor of God is on my life. Isn't that good? Who satisfies your mouth with good things. Glory to God. Good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. He makes provision. Forgiveness, healing, protection, favor, provision. It's all in Jesus. Let's look at another one in in Matthew chapter 15 in the life of Jesus. There's this Greek woman and she comes to Jesus. And and she says, Lord, will you come and heal, heal my sick daughter? Jesus said, Listen, this isn't right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. Now, what did he say when he said that? Matthew 15, verse 26. It's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. He said, Healing is the children's bread. Now, this woman wasn't looking for a reason to get mad, she wasn't looking for a reason to quit. She wasn't looking for a reason to go somewhere else. She was just looking for a reason to believe. And she said, Lord, yet the dogs eat the crumb. Call me a dog if you want to. But the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She said, Jesus, one crumb of of your power will deliver my demon-oppressed daughter. Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Hallelujah. Healing is the children's bread. I'm glad today that we have a covenant that includes healing. You know what? I make no apologies for preaching the gospel of healing. Because the Bible, everybody say, the Bible says, by his stripes, stripes, you were healed. At the same time, Jesus took your sins. He took your sickness. Himself, bear our sicknesses. He took our infirmities and bear our sicknesses, Isaiah 53, 5. So many people get upset because they're just looking at experience rather than looking at the promises. Now I had a man come to first service last week and he had a cane. He said, Pastor, I don't want this cane, but I, I can't walk without it. And he came up for prayer at the end of the service. He came today and he said, Look at me. Hallelujah. And he didn't have his cane. I told him, You're gonna get better and better and better. And I had another young girl, she had me pray for her. She said, Are you right there? She had a lump on her head, and she had me talk to me out here, and she ran out, and I was trying to catch this other minister. I almost needed to apologize. Stand up. She came to me on Tuesday. She had a lump on her head, and I laid my hands on the lump on her head. And she, it was Wednesday, actually. She came to me. I was at Bible school. She said, Pastor, that lump is gone. I laid hands on her told her, you're healed. I knew she's getting it. Praise God. And then I ran to catch her. This was a quick prayer. Amen. How many of you know it doesn't, Jesus didn't pray long when he raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, Lazarus, come forth. He prayed a long time in private, but when he got out in public, he just spoke the thing. Praise God. Hallelujah. She came on Wednesday and said, I'm healed. I prayed for another woman on Wednesday, and she was probably 60-some years old, and she said, I have cataracts, and I have a hard time with my sight. And I said, listen, your eyesight's going to get better and better and better. And she came on Thursday and said, Pastor, my eyes have already cleared up. My sight's already a lot better. I said, it's going to get better and better and better until it's perfect. Listen, I want to tell you that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to tell you that Jesus took your sins and took your sicknesses, and healing is the children's bread. And I will never apologize for preaching the gospel of healing. You say, Pastor, what if somebody close to you died? I'm going to still preach healing because I know what the Bible... I don't know what was going on in their mind. I don't know everything. I've had some people close to me that we prayed for that have went home to be with Jesus... There with Jesus but that doesn't change the Bible that doesn't the problem with preaching experience if I preach hit this roof and you get there you haven't went far I'd rather preach go for the sun and hit the moon yes. I'm going to preach the promise of God the way God said it the problem with preaching experience, when you do that, people are stuck at their level of experience. And I've seen how they, they, they are in these churches that preach this overriding sovereignty. Well, you just never know about God. <laughs> And after a while, uh, they're just all talking about their sickness, talking about their disease, talking about their pain, and they get sicker. And listen, I believe Aaron Purdue said this in one of his messages: "You are 100% better believing God than you are not than if you don't believe God. So keep believing God. Hallelujah. I thank God for a covenant that includes healing. Luke chapter 11, verse 17, verse." What, verse 13, in Luke chapter 11, Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children. We like to give good gifts to our kids. We like to give good things to our kids. How much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Thank God we receive the Holy Spirit. God gives us good things. Amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 32, he says, fear not, little flock. How many of you found out you're part of the flock? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's Psalm 23, verse 1. He says, Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock. It's it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. That includes prosperity. That includes provision. And then I like this promise in Romans chapter 8. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 14, he says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage as the children of God... You haven't received the spirit of bondage again to fear. He leads you into freedom and out of fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Daddy, God. The spirit where, where bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. He leads us into freedom. He leads us into sonship. He leads us into our divine rights and privileges as the children of God. If children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. You know what it means to be a joint heir with Jesus? It means if it's his, it belongs to you. You're a joint heir together with Jesus. You're an equal heir together with Jesus. And, And he says, if children, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him. Now, my interpretation of this, and I believe that I'm correct. When it's talking about suffering, it's talking about identifying with him on the cross If you identify with him in his death, then you can identify with him in his resurrection. If you identify with him when he took your sin and your sickness and your anxiety and your poverty, you can identify with him when he gives you forgiveness and healing and peace and prosperity. You can identify with him in life. Thank God for his provision. Can I give you one more scripture? about being God's children, we get all the stuff. Everybody say, I'm God's kid. I get all the stuff because I'm his kid. Life's not fair. I have favor. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're getting the picture. All right, let's begin in Luke 15. It's about a loving father and a prodigal son. And when he came to age, he said, Father, give me what's mine. And he went and lived in another country and with crazy kind of living. And when he spent everything, there arose a famine in that land. And he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to citizen that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Did any of you ever feed pigs? I've fed pigs before. They're ugly critters and they're stinky creatures. And they eat all their food is disgusting and he would have fed fed his belly with the husks that the swine did eat and no man gave to him nobody gave and when he came to you know life has a way sometimes (laughs) he came to himself he said how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare and i perish with hunger in other words, there's provision in the Father's house. Everybody say, There's provision in the Father's house. He says, I'm going to rise and go to my Father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and no worthy to be called your Son. Make me as one of your servants. And he arose and came to his Father, but when he was a great way off, His father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. There is love in the father's house. There is love in the father's house. Listen, I don't care how far you've been. I don't care where you've gone. Amen. God loves you. Amen. And he is waiting for the day that you come home. Hallelujah. And so... And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and no more worthy to be called your son. And look what the father does. The father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe. This robe represents righteousness. Did you know when you come to Jesus, he clothes you in his royal robe of righteousness. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. It's not about your performance. It's about his grace. His righteousness becomes your righteousness. And he put it on him. And he put on a ring. on His. That ring speaks of authority. That, that ring speaks of wealth. Hallelujah. He, he put his ring on his hand. He clothed him in in his righteousness and he gave him riches and he gave him authority. And he put shoes on his feet. He said, son, you have a place here. You have places to go and people to see and things to do. He put shoes on his feet. And he said, bring here the fatted calf. That fatted calf speaks of abundance. Abundance. You know what all the green people want you to do? They want you to eat worms. Listen, I sat down yesterday and I ate a big fat, New York strip, and it was good. And I don't care if they tell me to eat worms and eat larvae, I'm not eating worms and I'm not eating larvae. And I'm gonna keep eating New York strips and ribeye steaks. Glory to God. I had bacon for breakfast. That's where pigs are good. Glory to God. We're in the new covenant. Thank God. And I had New York steak for dinner. Woo! Say, Pastor, is living good. Yes, Yes, I am. Hallelujah. Amen. And he said, kill it and let us us be merry. There was joy in the Father's house. He said, for my son was dead and he's alive again. He's lost and he's found. And they begin to be merry. There was acceptance. Everybody say there's acceptance in the Father's house. Ephesians 1, 6 says, We are accepted in the beloved. Thank God we're accepted in His presence. And it's not about how did Pastor Lawson been a good boy? It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. So grace made available to you all the good things of God, and you get all the stuff. Because you're his kids. Say thank you. Thank you. Jesus, thank you. for what you've done for me. Jesus, you've been real good to me. All right, I love you. Thank you for listening to the Caris Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.carischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.